It was October of 2019. A 25-year-old, disheveled, confused-looking young man walks into a pub. His hair is long, his clothes outdated, and he looks tired. He orders five beers and quickly drinks them all himself, like he can't drown out the demons fast enough. He begins to chat with the owner of the bar and reveals a shock that no one saw coming. The young man reveals to the bar owner that he and his siblings have been living in seclusion on a farm nearby for the last nine years. It was like they were part of some cult, cut off from the rest of the world, not allowed to leave, and often physically abused by their captor for having, quote, evil spirits in them. The most shocking part is who they were being held by. And that was none other than their very own father. Reports about what actually happened on the farm are unclear, but some have speculated they were waiting for the end of time. Other sources have said this is all just a social media stunt to gain followers, and one of the men accused is calling it a, quote, witch hunt. Were these kids held against their will? Were they there voluntarily? Were they abused psychologically and or physically? Are they part of a cult, a religion? Is there even a crime here? What was going on? behind those quaint Dutch walls. I'm your host, Michael, and this is Strange and Unexplained. Ruinerwold is about an hour and a half drive northeast of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. It's a small town with less than 3,000 residents, where everyone knows everyone. Well, at least, that's what they thought, until young John Zahn van Dorsten wandered into the pub that night. After John Zahn had told—let's pause for a minute. This is the dopest freaking name. Like, his dad may have done a lot of horrible things to him right? Including holding him in seclusion for nine years, but he gave him a dope name, okay? Let's give credit where it's due. So after John Zahn had told bar owner Chris Westerbeek about the condition and circumstances regarding his siblings, the alarm was raised and the police were called, naturally. And just a few short hours later, the small farm located on the outskirts of town was raided by police. And soon the small, quiet town was launched into international news headlines. Upon first arriving at the overly guarded house, the police came across a man named Joseph Brunner, who was 58 years old. He was the one who originally rented the farmhouse. Now, he refused to cooperate with the local authorities and was therefore arrested and removed from the property. Shocker. Investigators going on the testimony of John Zahn found a staircase hidden behind a cupboard in a living room in the house. Hmm. The staircase led down to a living area where 67-year-old Garrett Van Dorsten, who was confined to his bed, and his other five children were living. Garrett had suffered a stroke sometime in 2014 and never sought treatment, whether through his own conviction or because he was not allowed. That's still under speculation. Either way, the stroke left Garrett unable to speak. The room the seven people were living in was not a basement, but according to one media source, was a room built by Brunner. 
as he was supposed to be remodeling the house. According to the owner of the property, she had no idea anyone other than Brunner was living there, and she had not physically seen the property in years. So a property which had been fenced off from the world around it looks, it looks nice, actually. It looks picturesque, covered in trees and bushes around the fence. Uh, it boasts a beautiful vegetable garden, a few small animals, and is surrounded by open green fields. It's believed that the family used the garden and livestock to help sustain them throughout the nine years they stayed away from the world. However, the people of Ruinerwold were used to seeing Brunner in town, stocking up on supplies that looked like, quote, too much for one person, claiming he came into town weekly, filling up his Volvo with things like toilet paper and groceries. But that was all the contact anyone had with him, anyone in town. His neighbor even said they never saw anyone there except Brunner. But occasionally they would hear noises when he was gone. But they were never able to catch a glimpse of who it was or what it was in the yard. And his property was covered in CCTV cameras. So they weren't going to go snooping around. It was clear to those on the outside that Brunner wanted to be left alone. So they never bothered him. But they also never expected he would be holding people hostage either. As more and more of the Dorstens' life was brought into the public eye, it raised more and more questions. None of the kids at the Ruinerwold farm were ever registered with local officials, so there is not even record of these kids. Also, none of them have attended school, ever. Authorities have yet to release whether or not Garrett was actually found to be the biological father, but that also is still under investigation. Guys, this case is brand new. I'm serious. What's even more shocking is that the six children, quote, we're calling them children, at the farm, um, they were presumed to be Dorsten's six youngest children, now ranging in ages from 18 to 25. His three older children he no longer had contact with. Sounds like they got out. Uh, According to a former neighbor, they were unaware Dorsten had more than three kids. Uh because she had only ever seen the kids when the family lived in town, and three were allowed to attend school. So that leads many to believe the six younger children have been living a secluded life a lot longer than nine years at the Ruinerwold farm. The children's mother, who was originally from Canada, died somewhere in 2004, reportedly of colon or stomach cancer. However, there were no records of this uh, either, with local authorities. No records of her passing or or what it was or anything. So that's also very strange. Although this is a man who is, well, one of these gentlemen is laying up in bed who had a stroke. He's basically on his deathbed and um, not doing anything about it either. So this seems to be consistent with their beliefs. Um, As their mother died, the family, along with a neighbor, moved to Ruinerwold. That neighbor was the man we mentioned at the beginning, Joseph Brunner, who originally rented the farmhouse. So, the relationship between Garrett, who is the father of the children, and Joseph is still unclear. Whether they're partners in holding the children, or if one was in more control, um, that's still undetermined. Or whether Joseph was holding everybody. Because Joseph seemed to be uh, the oldest and the healthiest of the bunch. He only being 10 years younger uh, than Garrett, so they were more peers than they were, uh, um, I would think, a father-son relationship. 
Um, but either way, they seem to have a close relationship and have known each other for some time. It's believed that they met while both were a part of a church called the Unification Church, known as the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. They are most known for their mass wedding ceremonies. These things are incredible. It's televised like it's like a Joel Olstein church. I mean, massive um, TV evangelist style churches and everyone in there is getting married. It's like, imagine it being packed with people and every other person is a groom and every other person is a bride, pretty much. Um, and they're pre-selected either by their parents, if they are a second generation, um, if they're second generation Unification Church, but if they're first generation, then a member of the Unification Church has to pair you with your partner. How creepy is that? Some of these people just met their partner that day. That day. So yeah, in case you were wondering, uh, the church does encourage families to pull away from the outside world and focus its attention on serving God and spreading the religion. No shit. What church doesn't? I mean, how do you be successful without promoting that? So it was confirmed that Garrett and Joseph were both a part of the church in the 1980s, uh, but left shortly after becoming a member. The church also said that Garrett left due to, quote, mental health issues. And both families said they have not had contact with either of the men in 10 years, both families being Joseph's family and also Garrett's family separately, because they are not related. Um, neither one of their families has had contact with, with either of them in 10 years. So, and they've been at the farm for nine, according to Jean Zan. So... Police say they are still investigating if there is a religious or philosophical role at play here. Interestingly, the children and Garrett himself apparently kept journals where they wrote about the abuse they received by Garrett, which are now being used in court against Dorsten. Don't! So he himself kept journals. So if you're wondering what kind of punishment uh, these entailed, in court, it was shared that one child was punished by having his hands and feet tied together, and one was forced to live in a doghouse all summer. And there were reports that there may have even been sexual assault, according to the three older children, who, along with John Zahn, are supporting the charges brought against their father. However, the five youngest say they do not support the charges against him and speak of their convictions that they believe he was protecting them against, quote, bad spirits, which he often beat out of them. And only he knew when they were, quote, unclean and told them any contact with the outside world made them so. So although there were no physical locks on the farm, it is believed that the young adults were trapped through psychological manipulation. Brunner, who was originally from Austria, was very quickly compared to Joseph Fritzl, an Austrian made famous after his captor escaped and he was caught. Fritzl had kept his daughter captive for 24 years, his own daughter, in his basement. And he fathered seven children with her. Now, although no evidence has been found that Brunner was as bad as Fritzl, the investigation is just getting started. At the beginning of the year, charges were brought against both Garrett and Joseph for unlawful detention, child abuse, sexual abuse, and money laundering. However, Garrett did not attend his pre-trial back in January due to health issues. Obviously, he's still laid up in bed, I would imagine. 
The case is still ongoing, and the children are in counseling, the younger five. Although they have not made public statements, they have been speaking through a filmmaker. As they are working with a company to make a documentary to tell their story, which frankly makes me very suspicious. I don't like this at all. I don't like that these five children come out of hiding for the first time in nine years. It's their first contact with the world, maybe longer than that. And all of a sudden, they want to make a movie. That's the first thing they do, is they go right to a filmmaker. Or maybe this filmmaker is taking advantage of them, kind of got a hold of them right away. I don't know. There's just something, something just doesn't rub me right about that whole situation. Another interesting note that yet to be positively verified is that Joseph has fathered around seven children himself, including a set of twins who tried to contact him in 2015, but he refused. It's also interesting to note that John Zahn was active on social media at the time of the discovery, the young man that walked into the bar. He had active Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn accounts that started in June of 2019. He was also working at a store owned by Brunner, but little was known about his role and exposure to the public there. Some question why he did not raise alarms earlier. If he had social media, why did he not reach out to someone? If he left the farm for work, why did he not get help? I think what people have to understand is that the kid has been brainwashed for the past nine years, and possibly more. Deprogramming is not just a simple self-realization in a lifestyle change. It is many years of undoing what someone has placed as their core purpose on this earth. And that realignment can take some time. Unless you run into Ted Patrick, of course. Oh, you don't know who Ted Patrick is? Well, he's only the king of deprogramming. He claimed to have a method to unbrainwash those who have been duped by cults and cult-like religions. In a minute, I'm going to play you a debate between him and two members of the Hare Krishna religion. Now, um, please don't take my tone as being mocking. I'm not necessarily mocking um, either of these two sides of this debate, uh, nor do I agree with, fully agree with either of these two sides. Um... Like speaking with Ted Patrick, uh, I want to be careful here because I don't know, but there have there are some things. If you search Ted Patrick's name, you will find some questionable, um, some questionable. What am I looking for? Methods here. Some questionable methods. Some questionable techniques uh, that he used to deprogram people. Um, but I would argue that they are no worse than the techniques that cults use to brainwash people in the first place. Um, so it is what it is. A, I feel like, in a way, he had to meet the ex, the extent of what these people were doing. Now, I don't know everything about Ted Patrick. I didn't have time to go into Ted Patrick, so don't pull up somebody like, oh, what about this when he was, like, beating kids? I, I don't know. I don't know about all that. I'm just saying I understand from the his basis beliefs. I don't know if he always went about it the right way, but from his basis beliefs, I think a lot of what he's hitting on is pretty spot on. Now, he's not the best... Uh, he's not the best speaker. He's not the most fluent speaker. He does had he did have speech issues as a child and still deals with that, um, as many of us do. I mean, shit, I'm not the best speaker. If you guys haven't noticed, um, but the man's ideas and what he was trying to do, um, 
I think they did a lot of good. They saved a lot of people before they were in too deep. One of those people being his own son. So that's that's kind of what got him into it. So without further ado, let, let's start this debate. I'm going to play this debate here. And it, he starts out talking about um, what actually got him into deprogramming. And then the debate kind of picks up some steam from there. At this point, I think we'll turn to Mr. Patrick. And I'd like to ask you how you got into what's called deprogramming. Well, uh, I got into deprogramming through my own son. He was 14 years old. Now, if someone had told me 10 years ago that this could have happened in my family, I would have said, I would have called him a lie. But it happened to the very one I would say it would be the last one it would happen to. Um, all outdoor boy, nothing keep him in the house. And uh, he was psychological, psychological kidnapped by a cult. And they only had him for four hours. But after that four hours, it was somebody I didn't even know. When he walked in the door, I thought he was on drugs. And um, he told me what happened. He talked to some people on the street. They asked him, did he believe in God? Did he have Christ in his heart? Did he know Christ died on the cross for his sins? And um, he talked to him for about four hours. Didn't know he was hooked. And uh, after talking to them, he was lucky they didn't take him away. But he made it back to the hotel. And we had been everywhere looking for him. And when he came in, the first thing I noticed was his eyes. Just like he was half for drugs. And that was the first thing I thought about. And he told me his story, what happened. Then anyone believed what he was saying. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. I didn't believe him. Then anyone in the room believed him. I didn't know I even had a problem for about two weeks when a lady came into my office and turned in a complaint that her son was last seen the same day they got my son. And when she told me her story, what happened to her son, they got him. And he disappeared from the face of the earth. For five days, she didn't know whether or not he was living or dead. And no one would help her. She called the police, the police, how old is your son, 19. He's not a missing person, he's a runaway. Everybody gave her that story. And then uh, 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 when she finally got the telephone call, Mom, I found God, I'm not coming home anymore, you all is of the devil, and uh, the world is going to end within a year to seven years, and if you're not in this family, you're going to burn in hell. And after talking to her, I realized what happened to my son, what was wrong with my son. And I started an investigation into this matter. And I, I, I went into everything, interviewing people on tapes, witches, warlocks, you name it. I went to, I even went to New Orleans, uh, somebody that was a hundred and some years old that I, my mother uh, kept me to when I was a child for my speech impediment, see. And this lady was still living, which she was supposed to have been a healer and a prophet and all of this, be able to heal people. And I even went and talked to her. And um, I still wasn't satisfied. It was still unbelievable. I had to go in to see for myself. And um, I went in to stay a week. <clears throat> I stayed three days and four nights. I mean, three nights and, uh, yeah, four nights and three days. 
And if I had stayed in a few more hours, I would never left. I was hooked. And I was so confused for the next uh, six days. I left home one day at 7.30 in the morning, going to the office. I ended up 70 miles away, didn't know how I got there. I didn't even know where I were or how to get home. And this is how powerful this technique is, a mind control. You, you think that these groups have techniques of mind control that you feel are dangerous? Yes, uh, Hare Krishna is one of the main ones. Uh, and uh, they use the same technique. It's no different from Guyana, uh, Jim Jones. It's no different from Hitler. It's no different from uh, um, uh, any uh, group in the world that uses this mind control. And now it's time for the Hare Krishna representative to give his rebuttal. Now, I've jotted down a few notes. I'm very sympathetic to the experience which Mr. Patrick had. I will not disagree with him that there are many people at the present time in the Western world who are exploiting people in the name of religion. I don't disagree with him. I'm very sorry if he was a victim of some bad experience, but that was not our group. What so. you're looking at are uh, mindless robots. Uh, for an example, uh, the young man over there right now, he just sitting over there chanting Hare Krishna. At this point in the video, Ted Patrick is referring to another Harakishma representative that came as well, who appeared in the video to be ignoring Mr. Patrick and looking down and chanting. Which is self-hypnosis. And uh, he got his hand in the, in the bead bag. And he just, ever since he's been here, he's been chanting Hare Krishna. Now, this is his life's blood. He got to chant. And because if he doesn't chant or uh, get away from the influence, he'll start thinking. And this is the reason he said no to uh, chanting, because this prevents him from thinking. See, the only way you can control a person's mind, you've got to destroy the person's free will and their ability to think. And then you've got to make it impossible for this person to think throughout the rest of their life uh, 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 other than what the leader tells them to do. And that's where it turns into auto-suggestion, which means self-hypnosis. In Hare Krishna case, it's chanting. They chant almost 24 hours a day. We're chanting names of God. And that's recommended in every scripture in the world, that God's name should always be chanted. I believe in the Christian scripture, uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, use not uh, meaningless repetition. But the name of God is not meaningless. There he is. There's that other guy that was chanting. He decided to chime in now, so he's the third voice that you're hearing. Or fourth voice, if you're counting the moderator. In the Lord's Prayer, it clearly states, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The name of God is holy. Meaningless repetition would mean chanting something which is not God's name. Just like, for example, so many bogus people have come from India. They're selling mantras. They're simply exploiting people, teaching them to chant so many meaningless words. So, but we're teaching people to chant God's names. So, <clears throat> pick up on that point, selling mantras. Now, you do use mantras, do you Oh, not? yes, because the word mantra is a, is a combination of two words. But you Ma don't sell them. No, of course not. Everyone knows Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna is the mantra <clears throat> that we use. <laughs> Man in Sanskrit means mind, and tra means to deliver. So mantra is used to deliver the mind. I got an NBC documentary that was taken by NBC. I, uh, uh, we treat our dogs better than they treat the babies. Anybody that have a dog, they, they feed them good food, dog food, they, and they feed them in a nice container. 
a place that was made for the dogs. Uh, I know I do. And you take care of this dog. But in this, in Krishna case, as you look at this film, you can't help from shedding tears where these babies have to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, take a cold shower, and then start mm. enchant for so many hours, and they eat off, of, off of the floor okay. from a wax paper. If someone is simply going to come here, uh, I mean, Mr. Patrick, his own activities are quite reprehensible. He spends half his time in jail. And I don't want to go into his personal character about how his violence, I know for a fact, you know, he uses many reprehensible means, illegal means, violent means. I don't want to talk about that because I think the other groups are going to talk about it. As far as I know, I don't want to waste my time with that. As far as our children are concerned, they were recently tested in Los Angeles and uh, at the age of, let's say, between six and eight, their reading skill, uh, reading with comprehension, and also writing is about two or three years ahead of the public schools. They do not get up at two o'clock in the morning. They do live very simple lives. The NBC documentary was false propaganda. Uh, anyone who believes everything he sees on TV or, in the new or reads in the newspaper is a first-class fool. But I'm saying anyone can come and visit our schools. Our children are very happy. They're very enthusiastic. I just saw one of our schools today here in Atlanta. The children are every morning and evening dancing and singing. They're ahead of the normal children as far as their intellectual skills. Substantive question. How soon, how long do you <clears throat> keep the children in your schools? Do you ever let them go to public school? But why should they go to public schools? The answer is no. Of course not. Because in public schools, they simply learn how to take drugs, how to engage in illicit sex, how to uh, uh, accept an atheistic conception of the creation of the world. Why should we send our children to the slaughterhouse of public schools? And again, I think that if I may at this time, I would like to attempt to bring this discussion to the real point. So at this point in the argument, uh, the gentleman proceeds to give a spiel, which I'm sure he's given to many and many of new uh, Hare Krishna recruits. Um, but I'm going to save you guys all that. You guys can check out the video if you want. It's on YouTube. Just search uh, Ted Patrick. You'll find it. Um, but if you want to know a little bit about this religion, the organization was formed to spread the practice of bhakti yoga, the practice of love of God in which those involved, bhaktas, dedicate their thoughts and actions towards pleasing Krishna, the Supreme Lord. Um, its most rapid expansions in membership as of 2007 have been within India and most happening after the collapse of the Soviet Union. But today it has around a million congre congregational members worldwide, including 15,000 in the United Kingdom, which is not that many. Um, and that's, of, that's as of uh, June of 2019. And despite the relatively small number of followers in the West, around a few thousand full-time practitioners is what they estimate, um, it has been described as influential. Um, so I guess that's a nice way to put it. I feel like it's very, very closely connected to like Hinduism and Buddhism, and, and so it's, it's easy for people to kind of slip into this um, at, the, at, the, at the beginning, especially with its Eastern roots. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but... Anyways, the gentleman gives his whole spiel about what the soul is and our purpose on here on earth, and then the moderator has this to say, which is pretty brilliant. And, I'm and not the, sure we can ever agree on that. You, you might get your statement. But, but, then, but then let Mr. Patrick present a better idea of what the soul is than what we're presenting. Let's get right, to the real then, point. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm, my, soul, uh, first, my soul concern is the breath I breathe. 
well, there you have it. I mean, what did you expect? What did you expect him to say? I mean, if he doesn't believe in that type of spirituality, he's obviously not going to have the same answer. Um, but I feel like that was brilliant. And then from there, the debate mostly goes um, mostly about money, obviously. Isn't it all about money? Um, you know, one side is charging the other side with, well, what do you do with your proceeds? And then what do you do with your proceeds? And how do you live? And let's see your car. You know, that kind of shit back and forth, like religious debates often get to. Um, but I just wanted to play you guys the parts that I thought were, you know, actually about the mind control and the deprogramming. And as most of you know, these arguments will be being held between humans and until we're abolished from the earth. I really do think the meaning of life, the purpose of life, what you should live for, those are all things that people are always going to disagree on. So it is what it is. Um, but as for Garrett and Joseph and the children that were involved in this case, it's still very open-ended. There's still a lot of investigation going on. This is very fresh. I typically don't like to dive into cases this fresh, um, but it's going to be something I follow, and I encourage you guys to follow it as well. Um, if you see any new information come out on it, please send me some links, articles, whatever, and I'll um, I'll do some updates on Patreon for you guys. So, um, so yeah, so that's pretty much it when it comes to the... Uh, Garrett and Joseph story and the the cellar monsters. So we don't really know. We don't know what Garrett and Joseph believe in if they were trying to start their own sect of some sort of unification church um, that they branched away from. Or, you know, did they just believe that this was keeping these children safe? Um, was this, did they gain off of this somehow? I, I don't know. I know there's money laundering charges brought up and things like that. Or maybe they were just afraid of the world too and afraid of outside influence and wanted to spend the majority of their time um, just with the people they cared about. That's a very innocent way of looking at it. Um, but right now in, this, in the investigation and what's going on, we don't know for sure. So since we don't know for sure, there's a lot of speculation going on, of course, Um Let's see what Lorne has to say real quick, because after the Lorne synopsis, I want to talk a little more about this unification church. It's crazy. Okay, here we go. Lorne synopsis in three, two. It's time for Lorne. It's time for Lorne synopsis. Breaking down the case like... Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Break it down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. It's time for Lauren. It's time for Lauren synopsis. Break it down the case like. Break it down the case like cardboard boxes. What's up, people? Lauren here, here to get my thoughts on this week's Strange and Unexplained. A very bizarre case out of the Netherlands that was discovered in 2019. The case of a 67-year-old man that goes by the name of Garrett Jan van Dortsen, who kept his family captive, five children, kept them captive, like basically living under a staircase like Harry Potter, it sounds like, or in a basement, but either way, not seeing the light of day, um, punished for just about everything, just for breathing, it sounds like, um, and, and it was a lot of 
you know, trying to get the bad spirits out of them, blaming them for their own mother's death, um, mental, physical, sexual abuse. Um, and I, I tend to believe even though the younger siblings came out and said that they stand by their father, uh, I think after they get therapy and they realize just how uh, sick and bizarre their childhood was and they see how the real world is and how it's not as bad as their father made it out to be, um, I think they'll start coming forward with a lot more stuff that he did, that this freaking demon did to them. He's the demon. Um, it, it, it's definitely a sickening story. And, and one of the first things I noticed was how well kept the farm was. So, you know, he was out there enjoying the outdoors and, you know, and, and keeping them locked away. And I know there was a second accomplice, a 58-year-old man um, named Joseph Brunner, who was basically an accomplice or at least was complicit in what was going on on this farm and was paying the rent. Um, and so I know he's been he's been uh, arrested for that. And, and I also found it odd to find out that there were older siblings that had escaped the grasps of their father and somehow, for some reason didn't go to authorities about this. How did they not alert authorities when they had five younger siblings who were living under this man's thumb that they knew to be evil because they had been sexually assaulted by him as well? Um, so uh, I wonder what happened with that. If they ever did go forward to authorities, you, you have to think they didn't because this would have been discovered sooner. So whew, just a, definitely a crazy case, Michael. Um, I don't have much thoughts on it other than this is a sick man who took religion way too far. And, and you see this sometimes with, with parents. It's, it's really sad. You know, being a parent comes with a lot of responsibility. You have complete control over another human being be it they are younger and, you know, not as intelligent yet they're still, their brains are growing every day. Um, and some parents use, choose to use that power because they get off on it. And I find that really despicable. Um, you're supposed to guide your, your children and, and be a friend, but also, you know, a disciplinarian when it's needed, but not basically be like a tyrant or a dictator over them, you know? So, Really sad. Um, I feel terrible for these kids that lost out on a, a real childhood. You know, um, it, it reminds me a little bit of the Phelpses. If you've ever looked into them, Shirley Phelps and the way that she raised her children. And I know the one, one of her daughters came out um, and has really become uh, a, a vocal, really uh, cool person uh, somehow after going through that childhood. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's my thoughts, Michael. Man, it's pretty pretty sick and crazy case. Um, and I, I think it's a little bit more common than we realize too. Maybe not to this extent, you know, keeping five children locked away in a little room in a basement, but, um, a lot of, there's a lot of families out there that convince their children that the, the world out there is a terrifying and terrible place that, uh, you should never leave the house and all that. I think that's, that's, that's going on out there a lot more than we like to think. So yeah. All right, guys, hope you enjoyed my thoughts and I'll see you next week. Well, I sure enjoyed your thoughts, bud. Excellent point of view, as always. Also, great point about how this is definitely going on more than we know. And like he's, like Lauren said, maybe not on the grand scale um, like these, like this Dutch family took it, um, but to a certain extent, I, I think a lot of children are sheltered today. But also, I think a lot of children are sheltered uh, by their devices as well. 
They're they're sheltered by the de- like the, the actual physical devices that are in their hands. Um, and then on the other hand, they're exposed to who knows what. Who knows what they can pull up on that screen, right? I know you have child locks and uh, parent parental locks and all that stuff, but it's been proven time and time again. People make YouTube channels and can fit all the right criteria and still put some twisted shit in videos for kids to see. That's just the way it is. But, um, guys, I want to talk about one other thing. I hope this this whole episode hasn't been too confusing. I know it's it's been a longer episode. It's it's jam packed with uh, information, and I hope it's not too confusing. Um, but it seemed that this case was just the tip of the iceberg for things that um, I found interesting. This this actual case with Joseph um, and Garrett, it's it's for me. Like I said, it was just it was just kind of got me going on this journey into these cults and these religions. If you guys know me, if you know if you're a true crime guys listener, you know we like cult shit. So um, we just get I f- I feel like both me and Lauren we just get sucked into these cult cases every time we redo one. Or every time we do a cult case, rather, regardless of what it is, it's like we just realize why we love these cases so much. The psychology behind it, um, the the brainwashing or the religion or whatever it is you want to call it, um, it's interesting, it's fascinating. We've been dealing with it for centuries and we'll be continuing to deal with it. So with that, I want to talk a little bit more about the Unification Church. Um, after the father of the Unification Church passed away, Sun Myung Moon, okay, um, he is considered the Messiah and founder of the Unification Church. And since he, when he passed, his son, Sean Moon, broke away and started his own branch of the Unification Church um, with slightly different views, okay? So if you were a follower of Sun Myung Moon, um, then you were considered a Moonie, which he didn't like that term. Who would, right? That's, that sounds stupid. Um, and it also makes your religion sound very cheap, right? So I can understand from his point of view, I don't want, we don't want to be called Moonies. But for better or worse, that's what people know him as. Um, but this new church that the Sun has started is not considered... Um, they're not considered Moonies. <laughs> These people are definitely not considered Moonies um, because his son has created the church of the AR-15. That's right. You heard me right. The assault rifle, AR-15. So here's a little clip um, from an interview that he did with A&E, and he is describing uh, why his church will occasionally come where every family and every adult is armed with an AR-15. They will literally show up, an entire congregation, Joel Osteen-style congregation, huge church, mega church even, and every adult's holding an AR-15. No joke. Here's his explanation. Let's talk about your um, sermons, uh, and you brought up just a moment ago the blessing ceremony recently, to which you invited several members of the media. You wanted people to see this. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they asked if they can come, so we said, sure, you can come. You uh, wanted had, to come. had asked uh, all your members of your congregation to come and to bring with them a, an assault rifle. Real quick, so that other guy's voice that you heard just randomly uh, talking over her, 
that seems to be another member of the church who is also mic'd up for an interview. And he is talking behind one of the cameramen, and I guess no one is aware that his mic is still on. So you will occasionally hear his voice over everyone's in this interview, which is extremely annoying. But let's proceed. It's a rifle. It's an AR-15. It's a rifle. Why? Well, you know, we see it in the biblical context. Um, when Christ uh, establishes kingdom. assault rifles in the Bible. Well, the, I, 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 there's the rod of iron. So when Christ is ruling in his kingdom, uh, which he defines as the gospel. So the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ is defined by Jesus mm -hmm. in Luke 4:43 and Mark and Matthew as the gospel of the kingdom. Um, and then, of course, he preaches that gospel. And then wherever he goes, he creates a tremendous social um, upheaval in that area. And, of course, enough so that he was imprisoned and, of course, killed. Um, but Christ also is uh, critical in defining his own kingdom. So in the Bible, we see Jesus also defines his own kingdom uh, and how it will look like when he returns. And there are certain accoutrements when he uh, uh, returns. And, and, and those accoutrements, we can see in Revelation you know, 3 and 11, where he says, uh, let no man take thy crown, you know, speaking to the believers. Mm -hmm. um, so we can see that the believers as co-heirs with Christ, that's Romans 8, um, have crowns. They have crowns of sovereignty. They have crowns of kingship and, and, and queenship, of being kings and queens, uh, with the king of kings. So there's the accoutrement of the crowns. And then also we see in Psalm 2, we see it in Revelation 2 and 12 and 19, uh, references to the physical accoutrement of the rod of iron. And we know that the rod of iron is a very powerful item. It's not a, it's not a, um, a, a symbolic item. So the Bible, for example, says, in Revelation 2 and even Psalm, Psalm 2 as well. Um, for example, uh, the, the nations will be given as your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession, and you shall rule them with the rod of iron. And so you're saying that the kingdom of Christ, when, when Christ returns to the earth, will look like this. Every single believer will be armed with an assault rifle and wearing a crown of some kind, or like your own, a crown of bullets? Well, every, yeah, it's a decentralized uh, uh, dominion of the use of force. So, um, what does that mean, decentralized dominion of the use of force? Yeah, I mean, uh, when we look at, for Sounds example. Sounds like a fancy way of saying something. Right. I, I think it has meaning. <laughs> Um, when we look at, for example, the, the use of force, uh, we see uh, normally in different governance structures um, that it's a centralized federal government or body that will uh, monopolize the use of force. So, for example, um, citizens will not be able to have armament in uh, communist countries, North Korea, for example, um, Latin American countries that are more socialist. Um, the population is disarmed. And that, of course, is a very dangerous thing um, because if the ruling class uh, who, who can run that army and run all those um, individuals whom they whom they pay with the with with their state and who, who only have firearms and have the the the, the dominion of force um, if they decide to rule in certain ways, exploitative ways, uh, immoral ways, like um, stealing uh, through taxation people's uh, hard-earned money, um, uh, confiscating land and property that was owned by people, um, 
trafficking people without any due recourse or with impunity. They're supposed to pick up their assault rifles? and. Well, they're supposed to do what the Founding Fathers do and fight off the British. And But the Founding Fathers would never have that ability unless they had the modern-day assault rifle, the musket at oh that time. Oh, my goodness. How uh, they would never be able to stand that. and have a physical... Um, uh, reactionary force. I think in this country, though, look at in this age, in we vote people out of office if we don't agree with them. We don't go pick up our assault rifles. No, no, of course not. Nobody's calling for like picking up assault rifles in America. But in America, for example, in other parts of the world, or no, no, uh, as a last resort, okay. a, a like last the, resort to. I, I guess I'm trying. What is the <laughs> What is the resort when you and your followers will pick up your assault rifles and use them? Well, no, I think I, th I yeah, I think it's 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 a general, it's a it's a it's a larger picture of the world uh, where people um, have access, uh, just like kings and queens and monarchs and elites um, have access to um, uh, means of protection for themselves. Uh, so you're not saying use the rifles. You're sure, just saying have the rifles. Well, I mean. I have them as a last-ditch insurance, just like the Founding Fathers in, in encountered when British was trying to rule over them, give them um, in, incredibly uh, oppressive uh, tax structures, um, tariffs, uh, you name it. And so when a government goes awry, like in China with Mao Zedong, et cetera, he, he's the one who said all political power comes from the battle of a gun. And so a socialist communists know very well uh, the necessity for their system to control firearms and control uh, 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 weapons. So yeah, so that's it, right? He's got a pr pretty good explanation for it. Honestly, I thought it was going to be more exciting than that. I thought it was going to be weirder. I thought it was going to be more involved. But um, really, to me, it just sounds like they're, they're like the Church of the Second Amendment, right? They're just, they're just a bunch of uh, don't tread on me's who also believe in God. That's what it seems. And they want to bring their love for firearms in the church. And with so many uh, shootings and uh, massacres that have happened in churches, I, I guess it's not that crazy. I guarantee you a mass shooter is not rolling up on the church of the AR-15. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> so... Yeah, so guys, that's it. Um, I hope you enjoyed learning about the Unification Church. I hope you enjoyed uh, hearing some of that uh, Ted Patrick talk, as well as hearing the case of the old Dutch devil, as they call him, uh, Garrett Dorsten. And uh, guys, like I said, I'll try to keep you guys posted on that. Check out for updates. Um, if you guys find anything on the case, on the Garrett Dorsten case, or on um, Joseph Brunner, or any of the children. Or if you hear anything about this movie that's coming out, that apparently the <clears throat> younger children are in collaboration uh, with a filmmaker to make. So that'll be interesting. Um, probably be something like that show, uh, what is it, Kimmy Schmidt? You ever watch that? Kimmy Schmidt, it has uh, the girl from The Office. Oh my God, Aaron. Aaron from The Office. If you're familiar with that series, she plays Kimmy Schmidt, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's great. First season had me dying, laughing out loud. Um, but I thought a lot about that while studying this case. Uh, so yeah, so that's pretty much it, guys. I think I've rambled long enough. Let me get to some shout-outs. Um, guys, if, I want to thank you if you just for listening to the show, right? Just listening and downloading and subscribing. That helps the show, obviously. It helps the show grow. 
Uh, it helps it helps me keep track of growth, rather. But um, if you could, if you go leave a review, um, wherever you listen, on iTunes, on Stitcher, um, I think even side apps like Podcast Addict and things like that, if you're on Android, uh, they have spaces for reviews now. So any type of reviews count. But I want to give a big shout out to two reviewers from the UK. Uh, one being Emily left a five-star review. She said, came over from the True Crime Guys podcast, which I've been a fan of for two years now. Awesome. Thank you. And I love this one just as much. Informative and insightful. So, and fire emojis, which are dope. Also, I want to give a big shout to Smoky Fathead. Left a five-star review, said, Holy monkeys. Came over from TCG, and just as I expected, a great podcast. Well, freaking thank you, okay? I appreciate that. The UK, really showing some love. And I think we have one new review from the US. Yes, Space Trace. Left a five-star review, said, Heard about this podcast from another great one called Excuse Me, That's Illegal. Great is an understatement. That's a fantastic podcast. Excuse me, that's illegal. Guys, you have to go check it out. It's done by a friend of mine. His name is Leroy Luna. If that name sounds familiar, it's probably because his brother, Jack Luna, also a fantastic podcaster, does a podcast called Dark Topic, um, along with many other sideshows. 911 Calls, The dudes, both of those dudes are a gift to podcasting. Go check out their shows, guys. You won't regret it. So that's it for the shout-outs. I mean, the reviews, rather. Guys, if you want to help the show another way, uh, the best way to help the show right now, especially in the early stages, because if you're not familiar with how podcasting works, you have to build up a foundation. You have to build up a a fan base before you're even approached by sponsors. So it takes time. So the only way to monetize your podcast in the early stages is Patreon. And that's patreon.com slash podcast. Sandu podcast. There's a link to the Patreon at the bottom of every single episode description. So whatever you're listening to, there's a link down there right underneath the episode description right before the sources. So that's patreon.com slash podcast for like three bucks a month. Um, you guys will get early access to all of these episodes as well as access to two other shows that I do. One being Strange Shorts, and one being the Palette Cleanser Podcast. We have a lot of fun on those podcasts. They're a little more spontaneous, a little more free flow. Um, and, you know, I get to open up a little bit more, right? It's Patreon. So, so, guys, I appreciate that. Also, go check out my other podcast called True Crime Guys, if you didn't come over here from True Crime Guys. Uh, and that's wherever you listen. So, guys, I want to thank you for listening, for subscribing, for telling your friends sharing on social media uh, social media at Sandu Podcast by the way and just spreading the word until next time guys be strange just don't be a stranger <laughs>